Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, I can tell you the truth about Roger Carswell, because I was there when he came. And I can remember, actually, I think I was leading the while the first one he came to. And he told me it made a tremendous impact on him. And I thought, what, what spiritual gem did I share that blessed this man who's been a menace for so many since? And he said, well, when he was speaking, a wasp went by. And you said to it, buzz off. <laughs> that is my sole contribution to Roger's spiritual welfare. Oh no, there was another. I think I took him on his second beach mission to Blackpool. And his mother is only about two feet high. She said, you will look after him, won't you, Gerard? And in the way that the wolf would have looked at Red Riding Hood, I said, yes. <laughs> and I remember when we got there, I helped him to put his camp bed up. And uh, we were doing a mock boxing. And he said he didn't remember this last time. I must have hit him harder than I thought. Uh, and I was only going half speed, a half speed left hook like that. And he was ducking around, but he ducked the wrong way. <laughs> Within half an hour of getting to Blackpool, he had a black eye. <laughs> he deserved it. I could tell you a lot more, but I won't. But that would be a great weekend. And by the way, I'm speaking on Sent by Christ tonight. And I can think of no better way to back this up than to go to Roger's stall and buy a few tracks if you haven't got them and use them to share the gospel with others. Um, so, when do I get my money, Roger? Is it now or... Uh, oh, I see. Thanks, bro. That's good. Uh, next to it, by the way, there is a prison stall as well you might like to visit. But never mind. Uh, folks, let's just have a word of prayer before we, uh, we start our subject. Heavenly Father, they are simple words sent by Christ and we understand them and yet Lord, although we understand them we somehow miss them and miss the point and we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this night and draw us close to you that we may have a heart to draw others close to you too for your name's sake Amen I'm not going to ask for Psalm 126 to go up there yet. I just want to say a few preliminary things. Mark 16.15 says this, And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now those are the words of Jesus Christ. They're simple words, they're clear words. They could not be mistaken. And it's hardly surprising to me that the second half of Mark's, Mark 16 is under attack by some and it's put in some Bibles as maybe it isn't in the right manuscripts. For me, it's the word of God. 
And I can understand why, because if anyone would want to stop the Christians doing anything, it would be to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It also, of course, gives us tremendous uh, truth about the ascension of Christ. Not that either of, those, either of those truths are dependent on those verses alone, but nevertheless, uh, they are there. Both Roger and I were mentored, along with some others here tonight, by Werner Wright, one of the co-founders. Co-founders, I don't think I've ever found any cows. uh, One of the the co-founders of United Beach Missions. And Werner always used to say this about the gospel. He said, it is a going concern in both senses of the word. A going concern. And it's interesting to me that tomorrow's reading in the wild daily Bible reading scheme, and these will be on Ross's store as well, if you don't read the Bible through every year, may I recommend you take one of these, they're free, and maybe practice on the New Testament for the rest of this year, but then next year, why not do Genesis 1 on Jan, Gen 1 on Jan 1, and go all the way through. This scheme will help you. And it's interesting to me that those schemes... Uh, have these readings tomorrow. So those who are up to date with your scheme, you're going to read this tomorrow. Those who are not, you can read it anyhow, it do you good. Um, Proverbs 10, verse 5 says this, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. I thought, how relevant to a beach fishing weekend. We've been talking about gathering in summer. Now, there may have been more gathering than summer, uh, but we were there. I don't know what your summer was like. I say, bring on global warming. Let's burn as many things as we can if it gives a decent summer. We've got to do it somehow. Not that I believe that anyhow, but still. Um, But are we gathering in summer? Now, we're trying to do it as an organisation, but if I can take the principle further... Are we those who are looking to gather people into the kingdom day by day, not just on beach missions? It's easy to do it when the beach team's enthusiastic. How about the rest of the time when I'm on my own? We'll think about that later. And then, also tomorrow, you're going to read in uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and verses 24 and 25, these verses. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And so we have the theme of scattering seed, the principle, which is what we're going to look at in a minute with Psalm 126. The gospel is like seed. We should scatter it far and wide. And it's interesting to note, isn't it, that the power isn't in the sower, not even from the the platform but in the seed that's sown. And when we share that gospel seed, God can bring it to fruition in lives. And it goes on to say, doesn't it? I just read it to you. The generous soul will be made rich. If you want spiritual blessing yourself, follow the principle that Jesus gave. It is more blessed what? To, than to? To give than to receive. Give the gospel. Give the seed. You'll receive it. And your spiritual life means so much more to you when you're on fire to tell others about Christ. Now you'll also read tomorrow in the scheme, what made you think I got the wrong date when I woke up this morning? Uh, 2 Corinthians Corinthians, uh, chapter 5 and 17 to 20. Let me read you these, then I'll very quickly get on to my passage. But this is all part of the subject, it's not irrelevant. 
says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's Christian conversion, by the way. If you say you're Christian, there's no change. You're fooling yourself. If you're still dabbling with sin and happy with it, you're not a Christian. All things have changed. You're a new creation because you've been born again. The Holy Spirit has come in and made a difference. Now, all things are of God. Listen to this. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That is, it tells us what that ministry is. It gives us a message. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us to us, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. I don't know how the hyper-Calvinist deals with that one. God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what we're supposed to be telling people. For he made him, that's Jesus, him who knew no sin, he'd never sinned, to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now isn't that amazing? Those who are new creations in Christ are reconcilers. If you have come to love the gospel and know the Saviour, you'll love that gospel enough, you'll know the Saviour sufficiently to want to tell others. And even if that desire isn't what it should be, you'll tell them anyhow. You'll fan the flame till it, blo- till it, till it takes, takes root as it takes flame in your heart. And Proverbs 11.30 says, He who wins souls is wise. I spoke at one church once, I am of reformed evangelical tradition, but I'm not more reformed than I am biblical. I, I test everything from the Bible, including reformed faith. And knowing the terror of the Lord, I seek to persuade men to turn to Christ. And I spoke at one place, and I was urging people to become soul winners, and I got taller a strip off afterwards. Chapter to me, there's only the Holy Spirit can win souls, I said, you better rewrite the Bible then. He said, why? I said, because the man who knew more about election and predestination than you do said this, I am become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Understood that that was through the Holy Spirit, of course. But let's not be more biblical than the Bible is. And in keeping these precious doctrines, which I believe with all my heart, let's row with both oars. And implore people, plead with people to come to Christ. And leave the rest of the Lord. Now, in Monday's reading, you're going to read this. Oh, I've got that the wrong way. I may have the days wrong, but here's another one that you're going to read. And oh, no, that was Monday's. Sorry, this is tomorrow's. It's 2 Corinthians 4 tomorrow. It's Corinthians, I've given you Monday's already. This is Sunday's. Listen to this. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We don't preach him just as a nice, make you smile person. He's the Lord. When he becomes our saviour, we repent from our sin and we turn to him. We're under his lordship. 
He's the Lord in the theological sense in that he's the God of eternity in flesh, but he's the Lord in the personal sense that he becomes my master. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that lovely? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, we have the creation principle in salvation. What's that principle? There was void. There was darkness. And God spoke. And there was light. And life came. That is exactly the same principle in salvation as we share Christ, the light of the world, with men who are dark in sin and lost and no shape in their life. As a gospel is shared, God shines in their hearts and lights them up. And don't ever think that people who deny creation are just quibbling over some scientific detail. They're rebelling against God's whole revelation. This is the way God did it. He brought the whole of creation into being. By speaking it into being, without any help, without any process, he said it and it was done. And that's just what it is with, does with salvation. He says, Lazarus, come forth, and a dead man came to life. And as we share that gospel message, he does his work. Now look, we are sent by Christ to proclaim this message to people who are lost, sinners, hell-bound, separate from God, that there is a Saviour who came and loved you and died on a cross in your place, taking your sin and your punishment. That if you will but tell him in your heart you're sorry and turn from that sin and ask him into your life as your Lord and your Saviour, you will be forgiven. He'll change you. And I had to ask at the beginning, by the way, is that you? You could be in a beach mission conference like this. You may even have been on a beach theme, and yet you may still be a stranger to Jesus Christ. Do you really know Christ? Have you really turned from your sin? Are you a new creation? Is everything changing? Do you know him? If so, you will have a desire to reconcile people to God. And so the thought, thought for tonight, sent by Christ, will be relevant to you. One of my favourite talks I like to give is, why should I evangelise? The last point is this, because compulsion is mine. Paul said, necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I don't preach the gospel. The third point is the call from around. Compulsion from within, call from around. People said, come over and help us. You see the need around. The drunks. The drug addicts, the immorality, both homosexual and heterosexual, the materialism, the hypocrisy, the arrogance with which people shake their puny little fist in the face of God. Well, it doesn't get near his face, it doesn't even get up to his little toe, but they shake it anyhow. We see this need. And you ask ourselves, what are we doing to meet that need with the gospel? The compulsion from within, the call from around, and then there is a cry from below. I believe the biggest advocate for evangelism, after Jesus himself and arguably Paul, was a rich man in hell. He said, I'm brothers! I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Go and tell them! 
If there were no other reasons, folks, that would be enough to make us devote our whole lives to sharing the gospel with others. Those are realities. But without those three, there is an even bigger reason why I must preach the gospel and I must spend what is left of my life, there isn't much of it left, I must spend it in telling people about Christ, whether it's in the prisons, where Nigel and I will be tomorrow in Leicester Prison, by your prayer for that, whether it's on the beaches and the Christian answers, preaching from a pulpit, or talking to people you meet every day. And it's simply this. That the Lord of the universe said, Go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There is a command from above, as well as a cry from below, a call from around and a compulsion from within. So the question is then, if that's so, how do I do it? How do I do it? Now, could we have the, on the screen please, the, the, uh, the verses from Psalm 126. Now, the one before that please. Oh, that, that is the one. I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, Psalm 126. Let me just put in context first. The context of Psalm 126 is not New Testament evangelism. May I say that right to begin with? And then nobody will say you took it out of context. I've just told you that, right? The context is that Israel was in captivity in Babylon. And Israel was returning from Babylon under three people. Do you know who they were? Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And the reason they were coming back is they had sown tears of repentance over their sin. God had allowed them to go into captivity because they'd rebelled against him. They'd neglected him. They'd gone their own way. And God said, you go your own way, you'll learn your lesson the hard way. But as they repented, God brought them back in waves as it happened. He brought them back to restoration and to rejoicing. Now that's a context. But there is also a principle. That when they sowed their tears of repentance, God gave them the rejoicing of restoration and renewal. And that's always the same, folks. Jesus' first words were what? Repent and believe the gospel. We miss out the word repent today. We think it's not user-friendly. No one comes to Jesus Christ without repenting from sin and putting their trust in him alone. But there's also another principle. Why did they repent? Because the prophets had sown the word in their hearts. They they had seen that they had sinned. They were religious. They knew the words. They knew their Bible. They knew their prayers. But they'd gone their own way. And as the word was sown, some at least among them cried out for mercy and forgiveness. They confessed their sin and cast themselves on the mercy of God. And it's that principle that I want to encapsulate tonight as we look at this in relation to evangelism. Now, as you look at that so those verses there, Psalm 1, 2, 6, 5 and 6, I'll read it. If you can see it, would you like to read it with me? I've got them in different colours and different fonts deliberately because we're going to look at five contrasting pairs of words in the middle or phrases. So will you read them with me? Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, 
bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Thank you very much indeed. Now, there are five uh, contrasting pairs. I'll just show you them there. You know what a contrasting pair is, don't you? Black and white, male and female, fat and thin, rich and poor, UBM and sanity. You know, things that are in real contrast with each other. Well, here are the the ones that, 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 that you'll find there. There's the word those and he. You've seen that? Those who sow, he who continually goes forth. Then there are, then the next two are continually goes, doubtless come, going and coming. The next two are seed and sheaves. Continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed, should come back bringing his sheaves. Then the next two are sow and reap. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And the next two are tears and weeping and joy and rejoicing. Now, if we could go to the next slide, please, I'd be grateful. I want to just look at those pairs today. First of all, the first one, those and he. This speaks to us of two things. In our evangelism, sometimes we are involved in teamwork. Other times, it's individual effort. And it says in that verse that we looked at there, that those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. Now, here's the point. We are a team. We're a team in a beach mission. We should be a team in our church. If our church is on the door knocker, we should be there. If the church is in an open air, we should be there. If, we, if there, you know, there's something going on and it's men's breakfast or an evangelistic habit, we should be there. Similarly on the beach team. In the beach team, it goes wider than that, doesn't it? Even helping with the washing up helps the teamwork. It's all part of the same thing. And it's great to be in a team. But may I say... You will never be in a team unless it is a passion for you personally too. Being on a team doesn't give you the passion for evangelism if you haven't got it. And we personally, on our own, should be those who are living to share the gospel with others. Let me illustrate. If there's a tug of war, everybody's pulling. And the whole team pull. It doesn't always work like that, does it? When a rope breaks... And a few of those this year, I think. Um, but I remember a tug of war at Paynton many hundreds of years ago when I was Paynton centre leader. And we, we were on Paynton Green. And uh, it was before tug of wars were all that fashionable, but I used to like them. So we, we got everybody, loads of people on this thick rope pulling. And we had, we had men against women and boys against girls and team fellows against team girls. We had all the males this side, the females this side. So I had a little whisper down the, down the boys. Let them win the first. Let the ladies win the first because it'll make them put them up pulling a bit the second. Then you can win the second and then it's up to you whether you win the third or not. They said, all right, mate, all right. And some of these fellows make you know, made Samson look like little Lord Fontenelle, you know. And so they were like this, you see, and they sort of got hold of the rope, and the whistle was blown, and the t- 
tug of war started, and they did it very well. It came their way a bit, and then it went the other way, and these women were, and they were pulling it, and, and then, and the women won! And so I said, turn round, one to the women. So I said, so, yeah. so, so there you are. The women won that one as well. <laughs> so, so it doesn't always work that way. But if you're pulling individually, you're helping the team. And folks, the best way to help to evangelise on the beach is to, is to do it 3, 6, 5, 24, 7. 3, 6, 6 in a leap year. Are we doing that? Those and he. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He and she as well, of course, who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his shoes with him. Let's have a look at the next one. There we are. This one deals with ruggedness and reward. These are the contrasts between continually going and doubtless coming. I once knew a rather eccentric Anglican canon. He was a big gun in the church, you understand. And he, he said, he said, and he was a fellow who used to ride his bicycle and his cloak used to go in the back and his hair was almost as long as his cloak would have been looking like that. So I'm mad I had something or other riding down the bike. And I got to know him and I don't know why he took a liking to me, but he probably thought I was not far of him. And he said, he said, you know, he said, we've had two, three year plans in our church. For three years we said, come, 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 come. He said, and then for three years we said, go, 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 go. He said, no, we, now we don't know if we're coming or going. <laughs> well, we should be as Christians coming and going. It's great to ask people in to hear the gospel. But that's only half of it. Friendship evangelism is wonderful. But we have to go sometimes to make friends. I've got friends who I didn't know until I went to the open air. Chinese chap in Southampton. We tried to move him off the site because he kept giving leaflets out the back. So we might not leave it giving leaflets out. We're not allowed to do that here. We're allowed to give it to people who ask only. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he carried on doing it. I said, would you mind? Ah, oh, no. Then I looked, we were outside his restaurant and he was giving invitations to his restaurant. So <laughs> I thought, I'd better shut up. He got converted, became a friend. He would never have become a friend if he hadn't been converted. But friendship evangelism is wonderful. Get people to come. I run the men's breakfast at our church. You get a good number of men from the outside. Good numbers coming in. But we have to go. The Bible says go. And it's not either or, it's both. It's coming and going. And the Bible says, and there's a verse again, I'll read it to you. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing with his seeds with him. Look, folks, continually means I do it whether I feel like it or not. Evangelism is nothing to do with how I feel like. I'm sure if you ask Roger, you'll find sometimes he's going to have spoken to meetings, he would rather stay at home. When Philip and I go to the prisons, which we do several times each week usually, sometimes, Frank, we don't feel up to it. Sometimes we feel scared. Sometimes we feel cold. 
Sometimes we have to say sorry to the Lord for things we've done wrong. We don't have many arguments, but I guarantee it's on the way to speak for the Lord that, the, that we do it, and we have to say sorry to the Lord and to each other. I'm always wrong, she told me that. <laughs> but we do have to go, continually. C.H. Spurgeon said that if people who went duck shooting did it the way that most churches do evangelism, all we would have would be holes in the roof. You can't shoot a duck from inside. You have to go. Oh, you've got it. Well done. <laughs> that was really wonderful for a minute then. You know that lovely chorus? Lead me to some soul today. Teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find the way. Few there are who seem to care and few there are who pray. Take my life, melt my heart and reach one soul today. We wouldn't go a day without our quiet time, would we, for Christians? Would we go a day without trying to win someone to Christ? Let's try every day to speak to at least one person about Christ. More if we can. Continually. It's a marathon temperament. I stop at the end. It's a boxer who's been battered but hangs on to the 15th round. It's a person who's really trying to get through that exam. He's had to learn a load of stuff and he's fed up of his books. You can throw them across the room and some of us know what that feels like and some of us have done it. Uh, and, but he keeps on swatting to the early hours of the morning because he's got to get through the exam. Continually keep going. I mentioned I mentioned Daniel and Christine in La Pan. If the beach team hadn't kept going year by year by year by year, they'd pass by the first year, they stopped for a few minutes, they don't want it the second year, the third year they came and trusted the Lord. Keep on keeping on. It's nothing to do with feeling. I mentioned Werner earlier on. I still miss Werner. Steve, how long has your dad been with the Lord? 14 years. It seems to me like six months in some ways. He was the kind of chap who, when you didn't know what to do, he said, Werner, what would you do about this? And he'd chuckle and say, didn't know, and then he'd give you the answer. Very graciously. I remember when I was chairman of UBM before, they got a good chairman, <laughs> Steve, um, I remember interviewing Werner at Flandidno when we had the conference there. And I was a bit thoughtless, really. We had to go up a platform with stairs like this. And Werner sprung up those stairs, and I didn't realise how much it hurt him. He had cancer at the time that finally claimed his life. And I asked him this question. And by the way, if anyone knows where the video is for that, I'd love to have it. I've been unable to trace it. And I said, Werner... You have cancer, and it's terminal. And he said, yes. I've heard people say you should be toning it down now. Don't you think you should take it easy? He was doing Bible studies in wild groups. He was preaching left, right, and centre. His reply was this. And if I say it with a waver in my voice, I'm sorry. Oh no, Gerard, he said. When you see the tape, you run faster. And he did. No wonder the Lord's blessing beach missions with a founder like that. He continued going right to the end. And just before he died, I believe he said, my agenda is finished.
And the promise is there. He who continually goes sowing shall doubtless come again. The promise is there. We will come again with our sheaves. Sometimes they're here with us now. Some of you can look around and see people who trust in the Lord through your witness. Some of us wish we could see an awful lot more. But when he gets to heaven, there'll be the ones you know about, and God willing, there'll be an awful lot you don't know about. I remember going to Belmarsh Prison on one occasion. I don't see a lot of obvious fruit in the prisons. People listening, people say they trust in the Lord, lots of letters and all the rest of it. I don't see a lot of obvious fruit. I'm not going to exaggerate to make it sound good. And I thought, it was one of those days, I thought, oh Lord, I'd love a bit of encouragement. I went in and a bloke came to me and said, good to see you, John. I wanted to tell you, when you spoke three years ago, I trusted Christ and it's changed my life. I had no idea. Just keep on sowing. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. You'll know these two verses by the end of the night. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The next two, please. We're talking seed and sheaves now. Seed and sheaves. Seed for sowing, it says in the New King James. I think the authorised version talks about sowing precious seed. Interesting, isn't it? When is seed precious? When it's sown When is the blood of Christ precious? When it's shed. When are those promises exceeding great and precious promises? When they're believed. When is the death of saints precious? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. When they're in heaven. Seed is precious when it's sown. It's no good sticking it in a bag or putting it in a picture on the church wall. Get hold of it and sow it. That's what it's there for. Get it out. That's why you should go to that track table of Rogers afterwards and get those tracts, if you haven't got some already. That's why even without tracts we should be telling people they're wonderful tools. What a way to say, would you like one of my leaflets? Don't call them tracts. Would you like one of my leaflets? Have you ever thought about it? And it's a way in for discussion. But if you haven't got that, you still tell them, excuse me, uh, have you ever thought about the gospel? Oh, but I lose my reputation. Listen, if you worry about your reputation, the best thing you can do is lose it. Straight away, it'll help you. Because shall I tell you what you are? You're a lousy, hell-deserving, no-good sinner. Do you want to keep that reputation? Let's put ourselves out to tell folks about Christ. It's precious when it's sown. What is that seed? The seed is the word of God. I, I want to say here, because there may be some young folks who here for the first time, I want to say, I believe that book from cover to cover all the way through, without contradiction, infallible, inspired, absolutely reliable, not a word of a lie or a contradiction in it in context. This is God's seed, and when it's sown, he blesses it. But what particular part of the seed do we want to sow in, in, in reaching people for Christ? Well, we had it a bit in that Corinthians thing, didn't we? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That he who knew no sin was made sin for us. Basically it's this. The gospel is, I'm a sinner. I'm condemned. I'm hellbound. 
that Christ has died for me and taken the punishment for my sin on that cross. He's risen again from the dead, through which God the Father has said, I accept that sacrifice for your sin. He's alive today. And as we turn from our sin in repentance and ask him into our life as our saviour, we become saved. That is a gospel seed, and we must sow it. You can't necessarily sow it all in the first five minutes. But that's what we're out to do. Sow that seed and watch God bless. Oh, who are the sheaves? The sheaves are people. I had, I had to smile a bit. When I got married, I remember working up, waking up the first morning as a married man. We went to a Christian guest house in Keswick. And they had this canned Christian music coming through. And the first one that they played was this. It will be worth it all when you see Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. That made me smile. But you know, there's a truth there, isn't there? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will. My dear friend Trevor Knight, when he got married, I gave him the last rites before it happened. I was his best man. It doesn't say much for the rest, does it? He gave me a book by R.A. Torrey. I don't remember all that much of what R.A. Torrey said, but I do remember the, the poem that, that Trevor wrote in the front. I know that Trevor remembers it too. When we are dying, how glad we shall be that the lamps of our lives have blazed out for thee. We shall not care that the way has been tough, that thy dear feet led the way was enough. We shall not worry how much that we gave in time or in money one soul to save. When we are dying, how glad we shall be that the lamps of our lives have blazed out for thee. The Lord's been very good to me. I was diagnosed with blood cancer over ten years ago, and I suppose it could go either way any time. But I feel very fit. Fuck's <laughs> I've, I've got to do something to wake people up. I feel very fit. But I want to tell you this. I don't know how much longer I've got. But I want it to count for the Lord. And I just wish in some ways I was the age of some of you again. Will I be bringing sheaves? One of the good old hymns in the Wild Hymn Book says, Will you to judgment bring but leaves while waiting here are golden sheaves? Have you spoken to someone about Christ today? You say, well, it's hard today because we've all been here. All right, we'll let you off today. How about yesterday? Did you speak to someone personally about Jesus yesterday? The day before? day before that? Are you going to be leaves or sheaves? How much time do you spend watching the television? How much time do you spend reading the Bible and praying? To write to anybody? To encourage them? Leaves or sheaves? Let's bring sheaves. And the last but one is this. Ah. This talks about the work of sowing and the wonder of reaping. I've said enough about sowing. All I will say is this. We are to sow seed. 
not just to show seed. What do I mean? Well, you have to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. That's true. We have to live a consistent life. And if our lives are not consistent, it does nothing for the Lord and nothing for our message. It's hypocrisy. But it is not enough just to sit there and people think, what a lovely Christian. That could be the start of things. And when you're working in an office, maybe you have to make that ground, as it were, sometimes before you really get to grips with things. But folks, we're told to sow the seed. It's not just life, it is lip as well. And it's not just a question of, you know, being ready to give an account to people for the hope that is within you. That's part of it. And, you're, and the brightness of your Christian testimony should draw people to ask, why are you different? But apart from that, we should be seeking to tell people about Christ as well. It's sowing the seed, as well as showing it. And where do we sow? Anywhere. Everywhere. Which day? Any day. Every day. Which people? Anyone. Everyone. You don't need publicity. You don't need a venue. You certainly don't need government permission. Though if they withdrew it, I'd do it anyhow. I hope you would. Anyone. Anywhere. Anytime. Lost sinners needing a saving. You've got the message. You've got the seed. Sow it. Sow it. And what will you reap? Well, you don't know what you reap. Maybe no apparent fruit. But then you'll find that the Lord has blessed. Let me encourage you. When you're at, Flan- uh, when you're at Lapan, we thought we'd had a fairly barren year like the year before. Team met on the first week, first week of the mission. By day three, we'd heard of three people who'd been converted the previous year. One of them we call her the giraffe girl. Not because she looks like a giraffe. But there was a giraffe gonflé, a blown-up giraffe, like a bouncy castle. Well, it was bouncy, so she let the team go on it, and then it went down, but that's another story. Um, and she came to trust the Lord. A fellow walked past the open air in La Panne. Wonderful open-air opportunity. And by the way, how we need more French-speaking people on Mission Vacances. We really do. And if you speak French, please consider coming on Mission Vacances. Great opportunity, especially at La Panne. Psalm 126, verses 5 to 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Tears. Tears. Some people cry over anything, don't they? A lot of people cry over soccer, but the way England played, you can understand that. (laughs) I remember when my dog was very ill, lovely retriever called Lisa. If there's anyone here called Lisa, I do apologise about that. And um, I went to the vet with Philippa, and we were both a bit down for her. She's a lovely dog, really was. she'd She'd give anybody a nasty suck, you know. Wouldn't bite anybody. And uh, I said, look, Jamie, who was our youngest son, who was then about 16 or 17, I said, look, when we go back, we've got to be strong for Jamie's sake, and in case he gets upset. So we've got to tell him, look, leave it to me. So Philip said, all right. So I go to the door, the door opens. I said, Jamie, I said, oh, he's going to die. <laughs> 
Now, I was tearful about a dog. Maybe it's because I saved her from drowning just a few weeks before. By the way. (laughs) 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 Idiot. But if I can cry about a dog, my little granddaughter cried because a millipede died. It runs in the family. If I can cry about a dog, I cry about people dying, even even when I know they're going to heaven. I wonder what Professor Dawkins makes about that. Do you cry when chemicals are poured out? If it's just chemicals, do you cry? Oh dear, I've lost my sulfur dioxide! (laughs) Every time someone dies, I imagine someone somewhere cries when they know about it. But listen, when you think that person dying is going to a lost eternity separate forever from God and good and under God's judgment forever. Folks, if that can't move our hearts, even if we're not the kind of people who turn tears come naturally, if that can't give us compassion, what can? What can? Gypsy Smith, a famous evangelist who did so much around the potteries, once said, you should never preach hell without tears in your eyes. Now I can't manufacture tears in my eyes, but I hope I've got them in my heart. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered you, but you wouldn't. Let me look at the crowd as my Saviour did. Till my eyes with tears grow dim. Let me look till I pity the wandering sheep and love them for love of him. People sometimes say, how can you and Philippa go and speak to paedophiles and rapists? I'll tell you how. They're sinners like I am, and they're going to hell like I was. And there's a saviour who poured out his blood for them, that's why. And what about the rejoicing? The biggest joy is to know Christ. Jesus said, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Success may be your way tomorrow. Rejoice rather, what? That your names are written in heaven. Oh, that will be glory for me. The second best thing to rejoice about is that through God's grace and mercy and gospel, you've helped someone else to get there. That's what will last. Leaves or sheaves? Sent by Christ. You're going to say yes? Let's have a word of prayer and sing our last hymn. We simply pray that verse, that hymn, Lord. Let me look at the crowd as my Saviour did, till my eyes with tears grow dim. Let me look till I pity the wandering sheep and love them for love of Him. Help me, Lord to say yes when you say go. Help me to be willingly sent by Christ for your name's sake. Amen.